Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 149. This is your host, Deb Falzoy, and this week I'm talking about legislative action to pass the Workplace Psychological Safety Act in Texas. We are here today with Dee Montanez and Stuart Maper, who are the Texas Bill Directors, and they're here to talk about what's happening on the legislative front in their state. Are you ready to hear what they have to say? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. Before I get started today, I want to talk about Patreon. I have a new Patreon account at patreon.com slash screw the hierarchy. And I have a really quick survey on there about what kind Hi, of I'm rewards Deb you like. With Everything together, from I am early access to episodes to exclusive Montanaz episodes, behind the scenes Maker. content. They are the Texas state leads for the Workplace Psychological Safety Act with End Workplace Abuse. Thanks so much for being here, Dean Stewart. Appreciate having you on on here. Um, I want to start off with your backgrounds. Like, what brought you to this topic of workplace abuse? What what made you get involved with with this movement? Do you want to start? Oh, let's see. Figure out who to start. I want to start with D. Yeah, D. Ladies first. Okay. So my background is twenty nine years as the field grade army officer joined multinational logistician and 26 years as a law enforcement officer at city, county, and federal level. And I was a victim of psychological workplace abuse. And I met Deb and I got involved with the organization a couple of years ago. Whenever I was pretty much grasping for air, and looking for ways to um, rehab myself because the Department of Labor didn't want it to be held accountable and the Department of the Army uh, with Veterans Affairs did not want it to respond either. So it was either end up in a tomb uh, or in a mental institution, or pretty much giving up, uh, which I like to call murder by suicide. So uh, that's how I got involved with the organization. And I found a lot of healing um, because I know that this setting uh, worked for me. I know that it can work for others. And I am pushing for legislation so others do not go through what I had to go through on my own thanks for for sharing that d and i'm like yeah the, the way you describe that is just so like probably brings us both back or all three of us back to like that place of you know the decisions we were making when we were in, in the thick of it so thanks for uh taking that that path um Stuart, how about how about you okay well um uh, me and my uh, partner out here in Texas, we come from different backgrounds. Uh, my background is in the private sector. I worked in the retail a long time, and I came to Houston in 1978, 45 years ago. Where we were talking from here, and I worked in retail. And so I got a job working with 
retailers in the men's clothing group. And I took a lot of uh, time through various uh, establishments here in the Eastern area. And then in 2002, I had an opportunity to work for the Nordstrom store. Nordstrom uh, was known as the big gold standard retailer. And so I was hired by them in 2003. And I stayed with them for two years. But I was brutally bullied, I'd like to say abused by my manager. I was the only one hired that had all the experience from Houston Air. I thought it was a surprise that they would only hire one guy. The rest of the people came from other stores and people had good service, service skills. And so at first it wasn't that good. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on me. But when I finished after two years, I was a top salesperson. Um, and uh, they terminated me for nonsense. And I said, there's got to be a, a place out there that can uh, help me with my frustration. But also, I had a, a big asset. I was very politically connected. And so I said to myself, maybe we can pass a bill. And about 10 years ago, I've been searching the Internet and actually found Deb um, uh, back maybe nine years ago when she was doing in Massachusetts. And so I've been trying to pass this bill for the last six sessions. In 2015, I actually passed the bill that was mirrored off of the bill in Massachusetts. But I don't have the support I have from this great group now. And so that's been my um, my basic story here. And uh, uh, we're working together to, to do a great, great thing. Thanks, Stuart. Um, yeah, so all of us having this like personal crusade, you know, from our experiences with this. I'm curious about um, what, what you think um, workers need to have um, in order to feel psychologically safe at work that you think the Workplace Psychological Safety Act um, will provide? What what about it um, so, behind it? So I think that I can summarize it down to one word. And to me, that word will be empathy, right? Because there's a huge difference between being sympathetic with someone and being compassionate and being empathetic. The discrimination laws have a lot of loopholes and 99.9% .9 of the cases go in favor of the employer. <clears throat> and I tell you why. And I didn't realize this until later on in my career because I have filed several EEO cases with the EEOC and the representatives, and I can only speak for the public sector, government sector, because that's what I was working on. But basically, the representatives for the discrimination department for these agencies, they actually get bonuses every time that they close a discrimination case in favor of the agency. So it's sort of like the foxes watching over the hen house, right? And in my personal opinion, workplaces need a little bit more structure and a little bit more protections for workers, number one, because of the stigma, right? Nobody wants to say I was discriminating, discriminated for X, Y, and C. 
And the second thing is that discrimination cases basically cover the five basic classes of discrimination, and they don't uh, include the bullying and all the unwelcome behavior that goes, you know, beyond the five classes. And that's where I think our government is failing because these agencies continue to discriminate and nothing gets done. And the agencies and departments know that nothing is going to get done. So they continue with the unwelcome behavior. Thanks for that. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that, um, you know, with the, these big loopholes in anti-discrimination law, the when we look at who's getting bullied at work, these are the same people who should be able to use anti-discrimination law, not completely, but um, a, like a majority of them. Um, and so, yeah, there is that huge overlap between the, the two issues and the the need for going after the behavior because anti-discrimination law just isn't enough. Um, how about you, Stuart? What what drew you? Well, you know, it's interesting. Last night I went to an event. I'm just thinking about this. And I go to a lot of events. I network. That's how I build business relationships. And I brought a copy of the talking points of our group to hand out. So one person comes up to me and says, this is about bullying. She said, well, everybody bullies. Well, I said, in all due respect, you don't know the extent of what bullying really is. And I think that's part of the thing here. Uh, the message we get out there and the understanding, it's so misunderstood. Uh, I go to dialysis, as I told you folks, three times a week for almost four hours. And it was a big transition for me, but I have to do it. And I go to this company, it's called Resinius Kidney Care. And they are, they're, they're like family at this point. And in the beginning of the, in the opening, in the lobby of the facility, they have a table. And they put different uh, words of, of, of encouragement on it. And I just got them right here. They put on this week, empathy, respect, and compassion. I think that's what every uh, working organization should do, no matter what it is, private or public. Look, I was in a competitive business. I understand competition. That's good. But you got to draw the line in the sand somewhere. And so I think these virtues of empathy, respect, and compassion should be the center of any entity, any corporation, or government agency, how they treat their people. I could not agree more. Yeah, this this issue just really comes down to, like, people deserve to be treated like human beings. Um, it's so easy to be nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We learned it in the kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's a book that says everything you want to know you learned in kindergarten. That's it. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, we are working with somebody that, let's say, for example, you know, you have a coworker that uh, went to work and had a fight with her with his wife or yeah. significant other before they left the house, right? And then, you know, they're already uh, agitated. So, and they come to work and then they take on their frustrations on our employee or a co-worker and you know that is not acceptable you know humans need to understand how you know and learn how to leave problems from home at home and problems from the workplace in the workplace you know that's exactly what happened to me Dee, because where i work my boss came uh, from a smaller market 
and he had enormous pressure from his wife that he wasn't making enough money. And he, and he put his frustration on me. That was the center of the whole thing. You're right. Yeah, I think, I think too, um, you know, because it, with this idea of like treating people like humans, we want to have some space for bad days. But I think um, for me, a lot of the, the issue of this is the um, personal agenda and ego sides of it, um, where, you know. You're stealing my words. I use personal agenda. Yeah, um, you know, we we don't want people who go through this to have to prove intent. Um, and then at the same time, there are behaviors that like come with bad intent, like false accusations and sabotage and that sort of thing. And I, um, you know, I, I see this as, um, you know, certainly if somebody were like coming in frequently and taking out all their issues on people that that would be problematic um and I, I think what um gets missing a lot from workplace bullying conversations is that like employer level where they don't step in in situations like that or they don't or they are the themselves the ones who are you know undermining people with false accusations creating these false narratives you know getting hr to side with them um so yeah, it's such a such a complex layered um, issue here. Um, so both of you have been, um, you know, healing from this and advocating from this for for a while, or advocating on this for a while. Um, what's been your process in Texas for getting this bill introduced? <laughs> So, so Stuart can tell you it has been a roller coaster, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what, what, uh, uh, to begin here, Texas is one of only four states in this country that meets every other year for only 140 days. So right out of the gate, we are pressured to get things done. And uh, they start in January. They don't have committees until February. And it's a very short window of time to get stuff done. And so you've got to really pressure them in a nice way to look at you. They introduce 4,000 bills and maybe close to 1,000 actually become law. So it's, it's a real crapshoot game. But you also have to know a few people. Even though I know a lot of people up there, it's not guaranteed they're going to get anything done. Uh, and and I, I've been going up there really for 18 years. And, and, and this is my sixth session. I know it better than my closet. But you've got to know the people. And, and, and go to the staffers, which have so much power there. Uh, uh, they're the, the ones who really do most of the work. You've got to build a relationship with those people and tell them your story and tell them why your bill is important. So one of the things uh, that uh, Stuart and I decided was to go to Austin, you know, at the beginning of the session. And Stuart have gone to Austin several times already. And, you know, he's able to do so. He lives you know, in Houston, so it's a little bit closer than me that I live in El Paso. So I will have to, like, have to fly to be able to go to Austin. But at the beginning of the session, we went and I, you know, we went to meet with the delegates from El Paso and we tried to focus on representatives on both sides, you know, on the House and the Senate that we personally knew 
uh, we had a connection with. And we left them a packet of the bill uh, with some information on it. And then we follow up with their staff members just to see, you know, uh, where things were going. Um, Senator Blanco is actually uh, the senator that's assigned for my district. And I am a small business owner. And he came to be a speaker of the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce a couple of months ago, I want to say maybe uh, February, that time frame. And I actually stood up and told him, you know, that uh, that I went to his office. I was not able to see him, but I have been in contact with his staff. And this is a bill that is important for Texans and that I wanted him to consider it. Uh, the bill needs a little bit of uh, tweaking. You know, it needs to be amended to be as strong as we want it to be. I'm like this type of people that I like to do things once. I don't like to be wasting my time because they're like stores say it's only they only meet two twice, you know, once every two years, 140 days. So we really don't have too much time. And then usually Mondays they're off. So the first day of the week to work is actually Tuesday. So um he introduced the bill. Uh, the bill actually went to a committee that I don't necessarily agree on, but uh, I am not up there. I don't know the process of capital. So we're going to be reaching out to the staff and see, you know, what can we do to either get the bill on the correct uh, committee or to push the bill on that specific committee because it's already there, right? And then if anything needs to be adjusted, then we can do it uh, in what, 2025? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it's bizarre to me that elected officials only work every two years in Austin and only 140 days. It doesn't make any well, sense they, to me. They're there all get the time, but um, they just don't have the session until this, this period of time. Uh, as far as the committee is concerned, I actually discussed this briefly with the, uh, the Senate uh, committee analyst who's going to get me back the details. In Texas, every bill has an associated keyword system by number. And so the way they assign a bill to a specific committee is based on that particular algorithm, you could say, uh, to put a case. So there, there, there was a reason why they put that bill in that committee. You explained it briefly to me, but I sent a, another email to more or less clarify it. But there was a reason for that bill in that committee. But if you look on on, on, on the on the uh, website on the committee bill, it has different numbers attached to different keywords. That's the way they work with it. I don't know what they do in Massachusetts, but that's what we do here. Um, any is there anything else about like the process that that um? That you've been through so far? I know you've taken a bunch of trips up to Austin, Stewart. Well, I, I think uh, uh, right now our bill stands in that committee, and uh, it's the committee chairman, along with the analysts that I met, that decide the, the path of this bill. I mean, I, I looked just uh, this morning, I didn't see the next meeting for next week, but I'm sure they're going to have at least one more meeting. At least that's what I think. He told me when I was up there last week, they have two more meetings. They had one on Wednesday. And then Monday, it was past Monday, they were finishing up previous business. So uh, 
uh, being Friday, I think it'd be wise to, to set up for Wednesday the people that want to show up there. You know, my guess is they're going to have another meeting. At least I hope they are. But as as as, um, as he said, it's a decision over the committee chairman of the lieutenant governor, who I've known for 40 years, on a one-to-one basis, Mr. Dan Patrick, who's on Fox News a lot. Anyway, so I'm going to put in a call to this person assistant who I've met before and see if they can do it. something for me. That's what it comes down to. Here. We'll see. So we have done a lot of uh, emails back and forth with the staff. Uh, we have, I mean, at least I can only speak for myself, right? Uh, but, I mean, I have shared our uh, our letter template to uh, everybody and anybody that I could think on social media on all the accounts that I have, because I think that at this point, meaning being crushed time, we need as many letters as we can to go to the to the committee's office to try to you know for the committee to actually have a hearing because if we miss the hearing that means that we miss the entire session and then we have to wait till 2025 which that's not the intent you know um a lot of uh representatives both at the house and the senate you know they love to introduce bills but it's not about introducing a bill it's actually you know, speaking for the bill and making sure that the bill passes and go to the to the right committee and uh, that, you know, it gets a vote on the floor, you know. So, but it's uh, a working process. Okay, I made a call, I believe it was yesterday, to my state senator and the gentleman that answered the phone remembered me. I know a lot of people out there. And I said to him, he's one of the staffers uh, of my, my state senator, is there any way we can maneuver this thing uh, beyond this way? There are ways to do this. We can do some sort of attachment. Uh, I'm going to make another call and find exactly what we can do in terms of parliamentary maneuvering here. Uh, in, in 2017, I helped pass a bill in the Texas legislature on natural gas. And on the very last day, and almost the last hour, almost at midnight, uh, we attached it to another bill somewhere. So I've got to find out the dynamics of this, and maybe there's a way we can do this. It's not over till it's over, ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're both really speaking to like just how complex this whole process is. From you know the the amount of pressure that the legislators need to you know having to sort of be at the mercy of what they choose as the process, even in even the language. Um, to to like sharing our personal stories with our own legislators and and you know having those personal relationships and seeing you know what kind of impact we can have on that whole process. There's just so much to you know this. I think you said roller coaster D. You know just you know and the hardest thing is that every single state legislative process is totally different. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, some, like basic similarities, but the nuances can be so, so different. Even like the time frame, and yeah, yeah. Well, here in Texas, in any legislature, when you go into that Capitol building, you see a lot of high-profile, big lobbyists running around there. I go to the lunchroom, and I could see them over there. Now, and some of the people I even recognize. Now, some you know, of it was, people, 
<laughs> it was kind of funny because uh, we went to one of the representatives' office. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like this lobbyists were asking the secretary, who are these people? <laughs> and she told them that, you know, that we had a bill that we were trying to pass through the legislation. <laughs> but you see all these people running around that these are very high paid lobbyists that have huge interests. And uh, you can see them in their thousand dollar suits walking around the hallway there. And it's yeah. like that you know, in place in Washington, too. You know, I consider myself an advocate. Um, I the word um, activist, the word uh, lobbyist, you know, they're not like in my personal vocabulary. You know, I like to advocate for people and allow people to, you know, to, you know, to do their part and make their own decisions. Um, so this is sort of like my service to our community, just because I, you know, I don't want, I don't like to call myself a victim because I mean. Obviously, I'm a survivor, but, you know, at one point I was a victim. I just don't want my worst, not even my worst enemy to go through what I've been through. I'm still going through, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you've kind of talked about this to, to some degree, but like where, where exactly does the bill stand now? Like what are what is the. the you know, ne very next. Well, step it's it's, it's in the committee. We're waiting for a hearing. That's basically it. And um, it, it's really very honestly, last last night I was in an event with a, a lady who was the vice chairman of the Republican Party state of Texas talked about Bill. Uh, and she said, we're in crunch time. I use that word. Uh, we're getting towards the end here. We got you know, the, the session ends of the, the last day in May at midnight. And a lot of stuff goes on because I've been up many times. So it may be uh, a shot in the dark, but I don't believe it's over till it's over. But I'm going to give a call to the Lieutenant Governor's personal student and we'll finish the OMC. Let's give a to her because I'm on a first name basis with him. He's the most political. Well, hopefully, we can get that through, you know, with your long, you know, long years of friendship with him. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, politics are politics, right? And oh, yeah, we have no question. To, so. It, it, politics is a, uh, uh, an interesting game. I've been in it not for 18 years and it gets a little, a little rusty at times. <laughs> I don't care where you are and what side you're on. Mm -hmm. So May 31st, and like you said, Stuart, this, like, I know in Massachusetts, at least a lot of bills will just go through last minute, like the 11th possible. Well, hour. that does happen here too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you say May 31st, it truly is May 31st. So, um, midnight. <laughs> no, really it's midnight. Okay. Is that um, Austin time or is that El Paso time? No, it's <laughs> Austin time. That'll be a 11 o'clock, uh, uh, mountain and, 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 and one o'clock uh, the next day in, uh, in, in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what can what can Texans do to help help push this forward? So one of the things that uh, our community can do is number one, uh, contact the committee, obviously, uh, for them to request a hearing, so at least we have a chance to pass the bill. Uh, number two, contact any state representative 
that represents them on their you know particular area like their uh you know their their state in Texas. Uh, how many members are in this committee specifically? Do you remember, Stuart? Uh, I think we're nine. Okay. So, I mean, uh, somebody has to know somebody from that committee, right? Like, uh, I know that we spoke at least with three we of spoke, them, I think. Lois Coker's we spoke to. Yes. So I think that we spoke like with three of them uh, from the committee. Uh, maybe uh, reach out to them individually in addition to the committee, you know, maybe they can push the bill under, you know, on their side, uh, sharing the work, uh, the in workplace abuse website, because our bill is there, and there are templates of letters that people can use to contact their state representatives, and the committee itself. So, uh, you know, we just need, you know, the, the groundwork right now. Uh, the, the other the other thing that we're utilizing uh, was the fact that, unfortunately, there was a Texas state representative whose staff resigned because of her alleged bullying, and that lady happened to be here from Houston, and I kind of know about her. She didn't. She had some issues before. Let's put it that way. And so we're using that as a vehicle to hit home. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was always envisioning my my um, uh, last words before a committee would be. I hope all you committee members take care of your staff. Mm -hmm. That's the way I end my testimony. Well, I think that they don't they don't understand it or they will not understand it until it actually happens to them, right? It's exactly. the, the same exactly. thing with the shootings in school. You know, sadly, it's going to take for somebody, uh, some elected official, loved ones to be injuring a shooting for them to pass legislation on shooting, you know, on, on weapons. Which is sad, you know. Well, it's like I feel, that, I feel like yeah. the, I feel like the government is very uh, reactive no instead question. of being active on things. Yeah. In that regard, there's a big uh, debate with that Uvalde situation in the legislature. A lot of um, legislation involved that particular incident here in Texas. Well, we have had a, you know, several other shootings after that. You know, that yes. was not the last one, and they will continue. You know, as a law enforcement officer myself, you know, and this is the Texas legislation, right? Uh, you know, we cannot have, this is not the wild, wild west, okay? Uh, I am all for the Second Amendment, and I will protect it 100%. But people need to be trained on using these weapons. People need to get a permit, and these weapons need to be registered. You know, that's how we should be. Yeah, but, you had an episode in El Paso. Wasn't there a... a, a a, a May, actually August 2019 at the Walmart. Yes. Yeah. Mm. 23 victims, if I wow. remember correctly. Yep. So um, the bill number, can can you let everybody know what the bill number is that they should? SB 2253. Okay. Yes. Yeah. For Senate Bill 2253. And yeah. then what's the name of the committee that they... The Natural Resources and Economic Development. Okay. Um, and then both of those, that actually don't really have to remember either of those if they just go through um, either endworkplaceabuse.com and click on the information about the, the Workplace Psychological Safety Act or go to workplacepsychologicalsafetyact.org and there's a map that they can click on Texas and be directed to 
um, these, those basically two, two links, one to email their own legislators and one to email um, the committee members and everything's written out. They can last, night, last night I made a copy of the talking points and another sheet I, I printed up to contact the, the David Estrada, the, the analyst mm -hmm. for the committee. And a few people took it and I explained it. They gave me about two minutes to talk to about my bill up to today. You know, just as a, you've got to get it out any way you can. Yeah, and that's a great point, sir. We should, you know, also be emailing David Estrada, who's the committee clerk, and, um, you know, keep the pressure on to get this on the agenda before May 31st. Um, I'm curious, as we kind of wrap up here, what uh, what keeps you going with advocating, knowing that it's such a roller coaster and a long process and, you know, usually takes several sessions to get a bill passed at least. Um, what, what keeps you going after all, all these years of, you know, having experienced workplace bullying years ago and, you know, still still pushing this? I know, Dee, you mentioned some of that, but yeah, so uh, for me personally, uh, like I say, I don't want not even my worst enemy to go through what I experienced, uh, you know, working with the government. Uh, the government, it's kind of like I compare, you know, go, you know, David versus Goliath, right? Um, I felt that I have a war in my backyard, if, if you want to call it that way. Um. I have a lot of, uh, even though, you know, my anxiety and all the symptoms that I have uh, after the trans the PTSD, the post-traumatic stress, they call it disorder. I'd rather call it injury, right? Because I didn't have it before. I didn't, a disease or a disorder is something that you're born with. I didn't have it. It was caused by the workplace. So I like to call it post-traumatic stress injury. Mm. Um. You know, I just, uh, I have a lot of internal pain, you know, an internal pain, emotional pain is something that you can, there's no, there's no medicine, there's not a treatment to cure it. You know, you have your good days, you have your bad days, you know, you may have only a couple of hours of good hours a day, you know, and then you get back into the depression and back into the anxiety, you know, and those thoughts, because, you know, one thing about human brain is the memory right like we have all these compartments in our head and you know we don't decide where to put it the brain decides on its own that's the reason because sometimes you know you have a headache on 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 the right side of your brain and sometimes you have it on your left side and sometimes you have the migraine so it goes all over you know it's a lot of uh neurological system uh issues so like I say, if if I can help to advocate for a better uh, workplace, stress-free environment, I mean, I am all for it. So at least that's what drives me. Thanks, Dee. Um, yeah, it speaks, you know, so much to like the advocacy piece on the preventative side, but just like even hearing your words now, I think you know, somebody is going through this to know that, you know, they can, they can connect with your experience in some way. Um, I think that can provide so much validation and relief 
Um, well, I remember the Starbucks, one of the Starbucks franchises here in El Paso, they wanted to do uh, um, not a riot, but how do you call whenever I protest or they wanted to do a protest for workplace abuse and uh, they couldn't do it because their labor union did not allow it. So again, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people want to fight, right? But sometimes they don't have Resistance. the tools and resources. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Fear um, for losing their jobs, you know, their benefits, their hours, you know. I mean, some of these people, I mean, they work, let's say, 30 hours a week, you know. So what if they drop it down to 20 hours a week, you know, and then... If they have less than a certain amount of hours, they don't get any insurance. So there is a lot of repercussions whenever you decide to, uh, you know, to this, you decide to speak up or, you know, really, I mean, it is being a whistleblower. I mean, you're with, we're, you're blowing the whistle on things that, on violations that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And so many strategies, like you mentioned, of just like keeping people in line, keeping people silent, keeping people just doing what they what they're supposed to be doing to make money for the company and not advocate for their rights well we're not you know we're not slaves anymore you know that was in in another century you know i think that we have evolved and we have you know it's like stores say, you know it's about empathy compassion and uh you it's know respect. respect you know just treating others like you want to be treated yeah you know that is the basics of humanity you know, we're not I like asking. To, I like we're to echo asking. what yeah, she said. Um, she talked about pain. And as I mentioned earlier, I go through dialysis for three and a half hours, almost four hours, two times a week. And it hurts a little bit. And during that course of that treatment, sometimes I get severe cramps on my leg. But when they take the needles out and it's over, the pain goes away. The pain never goes away what happened to me 18 years ago. Uh, that's a good graphic description in comparison. And, and 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 when I first started with that Nordstrom store, they had one week of orientation saying, we're better than anybody else. We're different. We're transparent. You can call anybody up at anything. Do as I say, but don't do as I do. That turned out to be the issue. Mm. Yeah. Kind of paying lip service to those values that they're not upholding. Um, do you have any parting words for for our listeners? Anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure? I just want others to understand, you know, uh, control, having control over somebody, you know, is very, very egotistical, right? And that's what happened with a lot of employers, you know, um, and then they have, this laws that basically protect them because you know it's really hard to prove that somebody intentionally did something right but whenever you create an environment that it is toxic and it is not safe for you to go back to and every time that you go to like you know that you start getting sick you know you don't want to go to work you are soft or you're sickly because you don't want to go to work you know, I just want to remind everybody that, you know, there's um, tools and resources that you can put in your tricky bag, 
right? Uh, in workplace abuse, have a lot of material that you can, you know, research on. Uh, there, like the charlas or group meetings that you can get involved with. You know, and I understand that it's not a one fit for all, right? Because what worked for me may not work for Stuart and vice versa. But, you know, we're not alone. What I will tell people is if, I mean, suicide ideation, how do you say it? Dialysis? No. Suicide ideation? Oh, yeah. Yep. Suicide yep. ideation. You know, uh, it happens more times than not. But there is a big difference between thinking about something and actually taking action on something. And, you know, I am very religious. And, you know, I have very clear in my mind that the only one that can take me away from earth is, you know, my almighty, right? Whoever your almighty might be, because we have to respect everybody's religion. But don't give them the pleasure, you know, don't give them the pleasure to leave this earth without holding them accountable. That will be more, my, my words. Well, I think this issue is so misunderstood. When we think about bullying, we think of a little kid in the school and it's something that's just part of growing up. But that same bully become a um, a, a, a workplace bully. And, and, and one story I think I mentioned to you people right here in, in Katy, Texas, uh, at the end of a school district meeting, uh, they have the opportunity for for taxpayers to talk to the, to the board. And so this happened four years ago here in Texas uh, at the Katy Independent School District here. When the constituent comes up and talks to the superintendent, he said that 30 years ago, you bullied me and uh, you stuck my head in the toilet in the boys' room. And, and, then, when, and then when I went home, I took a gun and put it in my mouth. And the people of the administration couldn't believe what happened. And so what happened as a result of that was pressure on the superintendent. He made $375,000 a year and he resigned. So my point is here, this issue stays with you. And that's a, a prime example. In a major school district, the guy who runs it was considered the best school district in the state here. That he had that issue, that it never went away. And somebody came back 30 years later and talked about it. It never goes away. Well, thank you for both being on here and mostly, you know, for all of the incredible work that you both do to, to push this, to inspire people to push this. So thank you both for inspiring people and for, for being a voice that, you know, not everybody is in a position to use, um, whether because they're, you know, feeling isolated or they um you know are fearful it's it's really you know so important to have advocates like you to to push this and be that voice for them so thank you, you know, you're talking now i remember whenever i used to work i used to run track and field whenever i was in elementary school right and we used to have this relay you know runs and and this is how we feel, you know, like it's very, you know, because we, you know, like we stated, emotional pain doesn't go away, you know, doesn't matter what you do, it stays with you. And uh, but 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 the the good thing about this team is that you know, like whenever I get tired, you know, stores pick up, you know, whenever store pick up, 
that you might pick up or Mimi can pick up. You know, it's kind of like we we relay ourselves, right? She keeps me grounded. She keeps me grounded. <laughs> yeah, that team like built like mm -hmm. feeding off of each other's energy on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but thank you for having us. You know, yeah, thank uh, you. Enjoy we it. just keep pushing. We just keep pushing and we pray that, uh, you know, Not maybe. Not over till it's over. That's right. And maybe our bill will be one of those bills that they just push to the last minute. You know, uh, I do have faith and I have confidence that, you know, that it will pass. But, you know, it's in, it's in the legislators' uh Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org slash targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.